And let me get his mic up here, and I'm very happy to have attorney Albert Ettinger. Albert, good morning. Good morning. There, there we are. <laughs> Albert, um, I, I got to tell you about the response that I got. I posted last night on Facebook that I was going to have you on the show. And usually I, I post these things ahead of time, um, and uh, I get a few people that look at it and go, oh, that's interesting. I'll get, you know, Facebook tells you how many people your post has reached. And usually it's, I don't know, 20, 30. I got 1,041 people reached on this post last night, which tells me that folks are paying attention to this issue. And I got comments and people going, what's going on? Uh, and, that's, and that's the reason we're, we're having this conversation today is because um, this all started for me more than four years ago when I got in, uh, notice about, and I forget who contacted me, somebody from LaSalle County and said, uh, said hey, they're going to put an open pit frack sand mine next to Starved Rock. You got to do something. And it, it has been covered somewhat in the, in the local media here in Chicago, certainly down there. Uh, and um, what happened is uh, uh, Mississippi Sand LLC, um, well, first of all, they applied for this, and the county board said, yeah, go ahead. And then they had to go through the IDNR, the Illinois Department of Natural Resources, and they okayed it. And then people like you and Open Lands and – um, Prairie Rivers Network and uh, Illinois Sierra Club stepped up and said, well, not so fast. Uh, you guys didn't do this uh, exactly the way you're supposed to by the book, and so we're going to take you to the court. So it dragged on in the courts for about four years. And then I run into you um, at Good Food Festival, and you say, we lost. And I said, what? Huh? Um, so I started looking to see what kind of coverage there was in the media about this case and the disposition of this case, and I found nothing. I mean, I, not just me going on Google, but Kathleen uh, went did her own searches. She's she's an educational writer, so she has access to various libraries and stuff. And she just went online, found nothing. Why is that? Why is nobody covering this? Why why isn't anybody interested in the outcome of this court case? Well, I'm a lawyer. I'm not a media person, so I can't really tell you why the media covers and doesn't cover things. I've okay. got a number of things that I think are very important that I can't get the Tribune to cover or I can't get radio to cover. So I can't really tell you that. I will say, though, that it was an Illinois appellate court decision. Um, you know, It didn't hit any of the real hot media buttons. It didn't touch on, you know transgender restrooms or abortion or something <laughs> yeah. like that that really captivated donald trump did not speak to this issue <laughs> so that's that's all i can really tell you okay well you know and i'm not expecting you to have the answers to why it's not covered i mean i it makes me crazy and i think cindy might be there cindy are you there yeah sorry mike as, as i anticipated the rain yesterday blew out my Home line. <laughs> glad this, I'm giving you the second number. Oh, uh, I'm glad you gave it to me too. And and so much for landlines, huh? This is why everybody's <laughs> yeah. got a cell phone now. Uh, Cindy Scruckrude is the Clean Water Program Director for the Illinois Chapter of the Sierra Club. And the first question I asked Albert Ettinger 
Uh, and by the way, he's an environmental attorney. He has worked for the ELPC, the uh, Environmental Law and Protection Center. Um, I, the first question I asked Albert, and maybe you have a little more insight into this, Cindy, because you're out there working with folks, is why is this not being covered by anybody? Why is this story not a story? Uh, I mean, there was coverage when it was in the courts and being held up in the courts, and now that there's been a resolution of the case, I have not seen a single word about it. Except, you know, I'm the first one, as far as I know, on this show right now. Well, yeah, I guess, Mike, it probably that, you know, there's since, since you know, well, I guess I would say one thing is with the oil and gas um, business in decline, prices, you know, at record lows, we're seeing a slowdown in in the um, potential for fracking that we, a number of years ago, we were hearing, oh, we're going to have all this fracking for oil and gas going on in Illinois. That's not happening. And so, likewise, um, I think we've seen a slowdown in mining of sand. And the thing about LaSalle County is it's blessed with these wonderful sandstone formations that draw everyone there to places like Star Rock State Park, but that same sand formation is also made up of a type of sand that's ideal to use in fracking operations. So, you know, that's, I would say, you know, oil and gas prices, we're just, you know, we haven't seen any mining go on at this at this um, site next to Starved Rock State Park. Not to say that we haven't had many other um, new mine promote proposals in the LaSalle County area yeah, since that, Mississippi Sand proposed this one. That's true, Cindy. Um, I've been ta- but I've been talking to uh, Ashley Williams, who's an activist from the area. She's now studying environmental law at uh, Loyola, and she's become part of the team for the Mike Novak Show. And she says things have slowed down considerably in LaSalle County. Um, there's uh, various companies. Some appear possibly to have gone out of business. Others are selling their interests. The the actual mining is is way down. And you know, as you mentioned, it's a function of the market having tanked for oil. So it, you know, and it moves up the chain. If you don't, if you're not fracking as much, you don't need as much sand for fracking, and so things have quieted down. But you know, if you look at history, these things run in cycles, and there will be boom again following this bust. So, yep. uh, those folks aren't out of the woods yet. Uh, and when I say they're not out of the woods, it's because that open frack sand mining is a threat to their quality of life. Uh, I've been there. I've been hit in the face. With the silica sand, uh, I know what it's like. And, and I can't imagine walking out your door every morning and have that happen. Uh, and some of these homes are surrounded. They have been in, uh, abandoned almost. Uh, I mean, they're not abandoned. They're, they're surrounded by different mining interests. So there'll be this little strip of land that'll be in between these uh, mines. What are those folks supposed to do? And they can't get anything. They can't get market value for those homes. So they're stuck. And uh, this is just an example of, of what's going on in that community. Uh, and 
And I think that, you know, this is an issue that LaSalle County is, I think, really struggling with in that they've had a long history of sand mining in the count in that in that area of the state, you know, for a hundred years. Right. But not at the rate at which, you know, a few years back we were seeing proposals for new mines and, you know, just the rush to to um, get more mines established and, and, you know, and dig this stuff out and ship it off to all parts of the country for fracking operations. So this, I think this, you know, certainly, I think you're right, Mike, the, we need to be aware of what's potentially coming in the future, but having this little breathing room is, is I think, a good opportunity for folks in the county to kind of really rethink, you know, what's what's most important to their their future in terms of, um, you know, it's Starved Rock State Park is the, the most visited park in 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 the state, and right. certainly tourism is very important in that county. Two million plus visitors per year. So let's go back to Albert Ettinger here in the studio and talk about that case that the environmental groups brought against. Uh, was it against IDNR? Uh, or Mississippi Sand? Uh, the primary defendant was IDNR. Mississippi Sand was also a defendant. Okay. Uh, and what was your basic contention about what they had done uh, in making their decision to allow frac sand mining there? Well, go back to your earlier question a little and then answer your first question. Part of the reason, I think a major reason why we didn't get much publicity about this is that we lost the case on grounds that had nothing to do with whether or not IDNR uh, gave out the permit properly. Um, we were basically dismissed on the basis that we didn't have any business being there, to, to use a common term rather than the... the so it, was, never, it was standing. It was standing. We never got to the merits. You know, if you listen to uh, back where I used to work at WCPT, um, there's a guy on the air called Norman Goldman, uh, and he's a lawyer. He talks about standing all the time and all and points out that that is often a reason why cases get thrown out of court is because people do not have standing. Yeah, and it's a it's a problem because it's part of what makes lawyers boring is that we have to talk about these procedural issues all the time. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is if you never get to talk about the real issue, which is whether or not IDNR did its job and made sure that this mine was not going to result in sand blowing in people's faces in the state park and was not going to result in economic damage to the community and was not going to do these bad things. We never got to any of those issues. Oh, my goodness. Those were the issues we wanted to talk about, but we never got to them because of a very strange set of properties of Illinois law that kept us from even asking the court to look at whether or not DNR had done its job. And that, that I think, is the – that's the – you know, it's not a very exciting takeaway message. You know, uh, citizens attempt to get the law enforced and they don't get in the door. Um, it's much more interesting, I would hope – to look at the real merits of the case, but we never got that far. We got doors slammed in our face. All right. Well, if you don't have standing, and I assume that, and I looked at the, uh, believe it or not, I read, I read through the uh, your summary of the case that you sent me. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but what I got out of it was that the whole issue was standing. 
But if you don't have standing in this, these environmental groups, who does have standing? Uh, no one. What? Well, we, we can, the citizens of Illinois minute. can't speak for themselves? Well, let, let's, let's explain the situation. What the court basically says, now this isn't true of all laws. Laws differ. Uh, on a Clean Water Act permit, for example, which I deal with a lot, if we're not happy with that permit, we can appeal to the Pollution Control Board, and then if we're not happy with what the Pollution Control Board did, we can go to the Illinois Appellate Court through that process. And, in fact, that's what we just did as to the Water Reclamation District's permit, and we won. Can't do that under this statute or under a lot of Illinois statutes. The first big case that came out this way was a case involving CAFOs, these massive right. – Hog operations, mainly in Illinois, massive hog operations put out. If you think, if you want to talk about disgust, we're, we're you know that's as, about as good as you can get for disgusting. Um, the citizens who wanted to appeal a permit given by the Illinois Department of Agriculture couldn't do so because they lacked standing under the decision involved there. It's the same situation here. What the court's basically saying is. You can't, you can't sue. You can't ask the court to look at whether the agency did the job because there's only two parties who, to the proceedings, to the permit proceedings. The only two parties are the permit applicant and the department. Well, the department's not going to appeal from its bad decision, and the permit applicant obviously is happy it's got a permit, so no one can challenge the decision whatsoever, period. That's, that's positively Orwellian. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a, a huge concern to us if we're going to, you know, n that we, you know, that we can't, that we're not able to, to even be involved in, in this discussion. And so the instances that Albert's talked about are just examples of, of, you know, the way that citizen involvement is is limited in those cases and potentially similar similar cases in the future that will run up against the same problem. We have, for instance, the, the law, the basic law as to whether DNR was supposed to give this permit. There were 13 things they were supposed to look at. They did a very poor job or no job at all as to 13 of the things they were supposed to look at before they gave out this permit. But it didn't matter because nobody was in a position to complain about it. Basically, following the law was optional for DNR because there was nobody in a position to complain about it. Now, if they'd gone the other way and denied a permit or that the, the industry thought that they deserved a permit that they didn't get, well, they can appeal. But the public concerned about the permit, they are... Well, I won't use the common term, but there's no – <laughs> I know what they are. They're screwed. All yeah, right? they're out of luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that is – that's the asymmetry in a lot of Illinois laws, particularly to do – well, with this one, with CAFOs. I'm not going to itemize them all because I don't necessarily want to reveal all of our vulnerabilities here. But you get the idea is that You're, there's uh, something fundamentally wrong with Illinois law here on a number of key statutes. So is there any recourse at the moment? Can you appeal this decision? No. 
I mean, we did appeal to the Illinois Supreme Court, or actually we filed a petition for leave to appeal uh-huh. is the formal term, and that was denied. So as of right now, it's over. Um, I mean, we took it as far as we can. We, 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 you know, we appealed it. We appealed it all the way up to the Supreme Court. So essentially, you know, the law, that case is over. They've got the permits they need to do what they want to do. Um, You know, there are there. If they start mining, there's some other places they want to expand to. They may need other permits. Also, of course. We have a legislature, and we can change the law. But other than that, no, the game is over. The the fat lady has sung. Wow, that's just unbelievable. It sounds to me then what you're dealing with in the future is you got to change the law. But I imagine that, yeah, given yeah. given uh, the in our state, yeah, right, the general assembly and the fact that it can't even pass a budget. Uh, how and 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 it doesn't seem as though well there's some actually there's some really good people in in the general assembly when it comes to environmental matters i'm not going to i'm not going to deny that uh but i can't imagine there are enough to change what seems to be a, a fairly arcane law at the moment right albert well i don't know if it's arcane it's something that's a fact of my life that a lot of us have had to deal with in terms of this inability to use the law to compel the agencies to follow the law. Um, So, uh, yeah, it looks a little grim right now in the legislature. Obviously, industry and other people who like, who want permits are happy with things the way they are right now. It will be a difficult amendment to get through the legislature. Uh, Even in the best of times, it would be tough. But as you point out, these are not the best of times as far as the Illinois State Legislature goes. It's... Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, is there ways to work through IDNR to get them to be more thorough in the permitting process, since you had said they shortcut this one? Well, uh, we tried. Um, actually, Cindy tried more than I did. I got brought in later. We f- filed a petition. We asked DNR to look at various things, and they they did not do so. Uh, but so there are – I mean, I'm a lawyer. I'm using legal th- – tools. Mm -hmm. There are political tools, uh, increased publicity, increased political pressure, things like that can be uh, important. For one thing, you pointed out the LaSalle County Board was against us on this one, or they were in favor of, you know, obviously the voters of LaSalle County have something to say about that. Mm -hmm. It's my understanding they've already said some things, and the LaSalle County Board might not have acted the way it acted then now yeah there's there's been a lot of pressure and and in and in the neighboring communities as well i mean utica and ottawa and there are there's annexations going on i mean it 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 almost for the for a period there beginning around 2011 through about 2013 it was something new every week a new a new uh sale a new annexation uh and the the sand mines were popping up all over the place and then everything crashed uh, in the which thank goodness you know for one thing I, I don't give a darn if the oil prices go down and and that that you know that business collapses maybe it'll encourage us to actually get some renewable energy going but it's been good for the people of LaSalle County because a lot of this activity has slowed down uh, but it takes us back to the whole IDNR question and that's that's part of our problem 
IDNR is not, and I've been watching this for a number of years, to my way of thinking, uh, certainly in this case, IDNR is part of the problem. They're not part of the solution. And, and that is because they are as schizoid as an agency can be. They are mandated to protect our natural areas and to exploit our natural areas at the same time. And the exploitation seems to win every time. Um, and that's, you know, me speaking as a radio guy in my observation. Um, and there are other agencies that are a problem, too. You're talking about CAFOs. Uh, concentrated animal feeding operations, the department, for as far as I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the department, the Illinois Department of Agriculture has never said no to a CAFO. That is my understanding. Yeah. Are you listening, folks? Our Department of Agriculture has never said no to a massive animal breeding operation uh, and everything that comes with it. Because I've had people from um, Illinois uh, Citizens for Clean Air and Water on this program, Karen, Karen Hudson, and I'm going to have her back. Um, she's talked about, you know, the, the down in Springfield uh, 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 near um, New Salem. They just lost that case. There's going to be a CAFO put up down the block from Lincoln's. Lincoln's birthplace. Well, not or birthplace. No young home. adult childhood home. Childhood home, yes. Not childhood, but okay. young adult home. Indiana New Salem. the birthplace. Right. Um, can't wait till the wind blows the wrong way down there and people say well what the heck is that well that's your state government at work is what it is well i i i've been working on illinois environmental issues since 1982 i've worked as general counsel or with as lawyers for the sierra club since uh actually since 1982 and something you've got to understand when you say schizophrenic is you're almost literally correct the illinois department of of natural resources was formed out of the merger of several other bodies, which although it happened 20 years ago, the merger never really happened. There was the Office of Mine and Minerals, the Office of Water, and the Department of Conservation. And conservation never felt that they could regulate because they were just there to put up pretty things and have state parks and things, and they were very unhappy about regulating. the Office of Mines and Minerals has always seen its job as promoting coal mining and promoting mining. And when they put those agencies together, you would have hoped that the combined DNR would have then taken you know, the, its mission to protect natural resources seriously and change the culture of the Office of Mines and Minerals. But by and large, that hasn't happened. And so, yeah, we're, we're you're almost exactly right with the schizophrenic. It's two minds that were stuck together and never wired properly. Wow. Well, there's your answer in terms of legislation. And I and I said this for a couple of years. I think you got to separate them. You can't you can't have the same agency advocating exploitation of resources and uh, preservation of natural resources at the same time. I don't see how that happens. It would be better if they were two different agencies who battled it out and. Let's see who wins. Uh, are you skeptical about that, Albert? Well, I'm not sure why we need an agency to promote KFOs or why we need an agency to promote coal Okay, fine. Then, then get rid of it. Get rid <laughs> so of mines I, and minerals. I guess I'm saying that all we need here is the regulatory function. We can count on 
capitalism to promote coal or not promote coal as it sees fit. We don't need the state government to get involved in that. Okay, that's Albert Ettinger. He's an environmental lawyer, uh, and you can go to albertettinger.com, E-T-T-I-N-G-E-R. On the phone, we have Cindy Scrookrude, who's the Clean Water Program Director for the Illinois Chapter of the Sierra Club. Uh, Cindy, I need to bring in... uh, Merlin and Susan Dodd Calhoun, who live out in uh, LaSalle County, right next to the area where this uh, proposed frac sand mine is going up. I'm Cindy Scrickrud, thank you so much. Okay, great. Hey, well, good talking to you all this morning, and I'll get on and listen to Merlin and Susan and say hi to them for me. Uh, absolutely. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, this is the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio, 1680 AM, and uh, we're talking about the uh, frac sand mine rush in LaSalle County, which has slowed down. And to that end, uh, I'm going to bring in, uh, I believe that I have uh, Susan Dodd Calhoun. Susan, are you there? Yes. Uh, is Merlin with you? Yes, I am. Okay. there. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of like when I used to call mom and dad. And, you know, <laughs> there would be mom. She'd pick up the phone because dad never wanted to. And you'd hear dad in the back go, I'm here. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you guys uh, are basically on the front lines uh, out in LaSalle County in terms of the Mississippi Sand LLC site. But there's been some development, um, meaning uh, news, uh, going on there that you wrote to me about yesterday, Susan. Uh, does either one of you want to explain what's going on right now? Well, yeah, um, earlier this year, we actually started seeing test drilling uh, being done on the property. And to me, that indicated that, you know, they'd already done all their test drilling at Mississippi Sandhead. So that indicated to me that they probably had, because of, uh, you know, slower sand use, that they, they probably had either put it up for lease or for sale. Um, and lately, I have heard that they... Uh, actually did put it up for sale and that from what i understand um one of the other sand companies bought it i believe it was u.s silica okay so there's still musical chairs going on out there right now with all these different companies yeah Mm -hmm. uh and um you live right next to the property i mean i when i was out there a couple of years ago about a year and a half ago a number of the uh, activists in the area took me on a tour of all the sand mm-hmm. mines, uh, Cindy mentioned that the mining operation started basically in the 1860s, 150 yeah. years ago. Uh, they showed me the first sand mine there. It's a lake, but it's not a lake you can access. It's a lake with a 50-foot drop, you know, and there's water yeah. at the bottom. And this is what happens. Although uh, Mississippi Sand apparently had plans, and Albert, maybe you can confirm this. They were going to, um, once they were done with their operations, restore the land. Wasn't that part of the uh, the agreement? That was part of the theory. The, the-, the theory. <laughs> it yeah. was never – that was one of the things we were complaining about. In fact, yeah. they didn't spell out how, in fact, they, they were going to do that. They were better at promising things than putting it in the permit. And if you look at what's out there now and the various frack sand mines – and I got a photo of one uh, on my Facebook page that I took. It looks like the Badlands. This is what they do. They turn this farmland into badlands. Uh, now, uh, Merlin and Susan, you guys live right next door, so you've got to be happy that it sounds like 
Well, for one thing, you've got to be happy that it's been delayed four years because of the court case. That's got to be good for oh, you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Definitely. Very happy about it. In fact, you know, I mean, I, I always understood that the court case, you know, I mean, the way the county was, the way that the DNR is, it, it might be really hard with the court case, but I always figured the longer we had, um, you know, like Cindy was saying, this is a, an industry that goes with the booms and busts. And I thought, I hoped, um, you know, back in 2012, it was a boom. And and I hope the longer that we could put this off, that maybe there would be a bust. And, and you know, it, now maybe we have a few years or maybe it, it never will happen because, you know, it, the industry might not bounce back. Wouldn't that be lovely? Uh, that would be. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your operation and how having a sand mine next door is going to affect you. Well, um you know, I mean, it's going to affect us personally because of the noise and the dust. I mean, we now when we drive home, there's a, a sand mine on our way home, and on windy days, it, it's like it's like sandstorm. You know, it's amazing how much sand is blowing across the road. So we would be subject to that every day. We also have bees. We have quite a few beehives. We have a small beekeeping business, and we're concerned about what effect that would have the sand would have on our honey because that that sand is going to get into the honey well and the overall health of the bees as well true wow because those small shards of of uh of sand it when the bees fly through it i mean it's just like you know it, it can cut them it's, and, and it acts as a dehydrant as yes. well and it can actually affect the bees. Have you, have you had anybody uh, to check that, to, to see the actual damage to uh, either the bees or the honey? Well, at this point in time, you know, around us, where bees actually will go about two to three miles in any direction to get uh, nectar for the honey. And we really, at this point in time, don't have them that close. Um, if Mississippi sand or now U.S. silica um, starts to have a mine here then then we'll start to have problems probably that's uh i hadn't even thought see there's there's all kinds of unintended consequences for an operation mm-hmm. like this i was thinking of the human aspect of it um but b- the idea of it being uh, of affecting bees never even occurred to me uh, mm-hmm. so what are your plans right now sit and wait and see what happens um, that's pretty much all we can do right now, actually, I guess, you know, um, we can just hope, you and, know, and support other, um, people that are out there doing, you know, what we did a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, such as Ashley Williams, um, and whoever else, you know, steps up and, and starts maybe changing some of these laws and ordinances and what have you to to make it a little more favorable for individuals such as myself and my husband and um make it a, a more of a fair fight um well okay in the that, whole that's that's where we turn to albert ettinger here how do you make this a fair fight is there any way to do it well yes i mean there are there are laws that say in fact that basically in federal law uh, if, it, if this had been a federal case and it had been a federal permit, there's a Federal Administrative Procedure Act that says that a party who is aggrieved by a government action can sue in the district court 
to have it reviewed. Now, and that doesn't mean, of course, that the district court makes the decision. Whatever the agency was makes the decision. But the district court looks at it and says, did they look at the right factors? Did they do their job? And then giving a lot of deference to whoever the agency is, they'll generally affirm it. But if the agency just blew it, as we believe they did in this case, they'll send it back and say, you didn't get that right or you didn't look at the right factors. Go think about it some more. And we could certainly pass a law like that in Illinois. We just haven't. We haven't this other... We have this other principle that says basically the permit applicant can complain, but nobody else. That's insane. I'm sorry. There's, there's got to be uh, some recourse for average citizens. And I've already thought of my hashtag. My hashtag is FixIDNR. All right. And I think we ought to start spreading this hashtag, FixIDNR. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet it out uh, when we're fit. Or maybe you can do it uh, uh Peggy, but um, it this is you know it's it's that kind of injustice that makes people's head explode, heads explode. Like me sitting here saying, "Well, we've got to be able to do something." And here's Albert, who's being very calm and who's who's been down this road many times. Uh, uh, say, "Well, no, not really, not at the moment. We can we can work towards it, but it's really slow." Uh, and and as you know, the wheels of justice grind slowly. Uh, but in the meantime, people like Merlin. And Susan Dodd Calhoun, uh, their their futures are kind of put on hold. So, and 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 they're not. And you guys aren't the only ones out there. There's other people uh, who ha- have the same issues. I've I've met them. Yeah. Well, yeah, the- definitely across the river. It's it's um, while it's quiet right now. The the people that are still living over there still have to deal with the um, the effects of what's being left over there unattended and from what i understand the blowing of the sand is so severe sometimes it's it's they can't even take their pets outside to walk around and nothing to my knowledge is really being done you know to to help these people in any way shape or form and and, and we haven't and, even gotten to the idea that there are going to be two million visitors a year to Starved Rock State Park, and if all of this activity ramps up again, they're going to they're going to feel the same thing. They're going to get the the silica dust. Uh, they're going to get in their cars, and they're going to go, "What's this stuff that's all over the inside of my car?" And um, they're going to stop coming. Well, that was part of what yeah. we, that that was part of what we were complaining about in the lawsuit that we hoped the court would look at, because the one of the factors they're supposed to look at is the economics mm-hmm. of the project. Well, DNR looked at the economics of the project from the point of view of the permit applicant, Mississippi Sand, and said, oh, they're going to employ these people. They're going to sell sand. That's wonderful. (laughs) They didn't look at all about the visitors to the park or what this potential effect would be on the county of that economic effect. That was just not considered. So, you know, talk about you wouldn't have to knock off the visitorship very much to Starved Rock State Park to totally blow away whatever economic advantage there was from developing this sand. And we didn't even get into the idea that, you know, one of the things that the county board said is, oh, there's going to be jobs. Uh, As far as we can determine, there were fewer than Uh. 30. (laughs) Uh, Merlin, do you want to explain why why you're laughing about that? That was me. Oh, that's (laughs) Susan. Okay, Susan. But but this this area, you know, there's so many people from Chicago and from all over Illinois that, 
that come to Starved Rock. Myself, I, I go there walking once or twice a week. And when I'm there, the, the park is always full. There was uh, about two weeks ago I went, it was a beautiful, nice day, and you couldn't find a parking spot anywhere. That's how many people were here. And just to think that 20 or 30 jobs will make up if you lose that that flow of traffic coming yeah. into the park is just ridiculous. But that's the point. That's the point I was going to make, 20 or yeah. 30 jobs. And they were saying, hey, we're going to have all these good-paying jobs. 20 to 30 jobs. Uh, yeah, okay. That's, that's As you said, uh, versus the thousands and thousands of people who come to yeah. Starved Rock State Park. Uh, not to mention, <laughs> and we haven't even gotten into the wildlife yeah. and, and the effect You're on right. the, the wildlife there. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, there'd be adverse effects to it, you know, definitely, you have to know that. And Albert, that's not... Well, I guess I wanted to say a few things on this, what you referred to earlier. We didn't, I mean, one of the things we pointed to was the bees, that that was a business interest. I mean, the courts, Mm -hmm. let's face it, when it comes to things like aesthetic desires and the, the value of a walk in the park for a day, they have a hard time calculating things like that. It does not compute well. Um... But when you can look at damage to a business like an avi- apiary, that's something closer to what they're comfortable with. But we don't even get in, We couldn't even get into that. Oh, not even even economics. Not even the hard economics. I did want to. I have to correct you on a few things. I, okay, I look, go ahead. I love your hashtags, of course, but you haven't gone nearly far enough. You got the, <laughs> what was it? Uh, uh, reform DNR. Fix IDNR. Fix, fix, fix IDNR. Well, you got to do IDOT2, uh, the oh. Department of Transportation. <laughs> you got to do I, IDOA, the Department of Agriculture, yes. which is handing out these hog facility permits like confetti. So you got a whole you got a whole family of hashtags to put out. Not to mention the governor's office. Yes. So fix a, Rauner. Yeah, there's a lot of fix. neuter Rauner. <laughs> there's a lot of. There's a, well, we won't. We won't. We will go down right. that road. Okay, yes. sorry. Uh, then we then you you mentioned that I'm calm. I'll, I'll just have to say I'm calm because a I live in Chicago, but secondly I'm calm because. Uh, it, Believe it or not, representing the Sierra Club, this is not the first case I've ever lost. Yeah. Um, as I tell young lawyers and people going to law school who want to represent environmental groups, if you want to win a lot of cases, you should go on the other side. Uh, the the polluters win a lot more cases than we do, but we do we do win from time to time, and I think we have, you know, it. <laughs> It, re- it requires a certain calmness and a certain attitude about life because otherwise you'd go insane. And on that note, I think that's a perfect way to end this conversation. Albert Edinger, uh, environmental lawyer, uh, go to albertedinger.com. Um, Merlin and Susan Dodd Calhoun, hang in there, you guys. Uh, thank you so much for, thank for you. Uh, talking to me again. I'm going to post this. I'm going to make sure that this particular conversation has its own dedicated podcast so that you can send it to your friends and say, A, um, why isn't the media covering this? B, it's still ongoing. C, why haven't we fixed IDNR and IDOT and uh, DOA? Uh and on and on and on, and I hope that uh, this will spread and we can get the word out. Uh, Sue Merlin and Sue, I, I hope I talk to you soon. Oh, thank you very much. Thank hey, you. Before I let you go, can I actually just thank everybody, 
Sierra Club, Open Lands, everybody that Prairie was involved, Rivers. Prairie Rivers. I mean, you people have actually given us, I mean, it, this should have happened in 2012. It's 2016, and they haven't broke ground, so thank you. You, you, you think you lost, but I, I think you won. That's a, an excellent statement. I'm so glad to hear that. Okay, you guys, have a great Sunday. Thank you. You too. Bye. Uh, and Albert, thank you so much for coming down to the studio, our opulent studios here. And um, you and I need to talk again. I'd love to have you uh, back on the program because I know you cover more than this issue. Uh, and uh, you're you're a very interesting fellow. Well, that's kind of you to say. I was always afraid that calm, boring lawyers would be <laughs> calm and boring. Yeah, but we'll we'll go forward. You're calm, boring, and insightful. 